0: You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. So, I was thinking about this. When I realised I was speaking this morning, my mind trapped back and I, I was like, this, this seems familiar because exactly the same last year, I did the same thing. I, uh, after Christmas, I was asked to share I was thinking, would anyone notice if I did the same message again? See what happens. See what happens. See if anyone's like, we oh, may have heard this before or whether it's completely new. But no, I'm not. I'm actually a couple of weeks ago I got I had an inspired moment. Don't you love those? Just me then. Um an inspired moment and it, it was in the form of a line, a sentence. And Julian, if you can pop up the first one for us. And it's this the says the other side of the spectrum. Now that's all I had to go on. And I was again, okay, so what am I meant to go on? (laughs) The other side of the spectrum. And um I want to draw your attention to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4. Now I'm not I'm only gonna focus on the on the last verse in this chapter. But it's a great chapter, I encourage you to read the whole of it, the whole letter. But um, the last verse says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So, going back to this thought about the other side of the spectrum. Of course, when I asked, I said, this is a sentence I I, I had. No doubt when I shared it with you now, you're already starting to ask questions. I hope. You're just waiting for me to ask them, so it's fine. And it says, what I, what I came up with is like, okay, so what is the other side of the spectrum? That's quite an obvious one to start asking. What is the other side? But then I started looking inwardly and said, okay, so what is my focus? What is my perspective? And I was, I was thinking about it and thinking, man, these are questions I should be asking myself every single day, isn't it? What is my focus? What is my perspective on everything that I will go through? What is my view on this situation? What is my view on that situation? What is my perspective? Am I looking at, looking at it from my focus or am I looking at it from God's focus? And I want to outline a few key points this morning. I want to just lay them out there. And I hope that if you take one thing away, great. If you take it all away, fantastic. If you take nothing away, speak to me afterwards and I'll make sure you take something away. (laughs) But if we, if we, if we move on, the, the first, the first thing I want to share with you is this whole thought of scripture versus reality. Scripture versus reality. We can question or we can compare Scripture to today's society. As it's, off, it's important to do so, to actually see it's relevant to today. But when we look at ourselves, I know I've done this, so if I've done this, I'm pretty sure you've done this. If I'm wrong, you can tell me later. But... I often say, does this apply to my current situation? Is it relevant to me? I can't do that. What it's asking, I cannot do. So, yeah, I just can't do it. Or, how can I do that? What it seems to be asking of me seems to be impossible. We are very good at picking and choosing. Have you ever been into a sweet shop where it's got a whole display and you're like, right, this is where I can go to town? I love that, I love that, I love that, I don't like that, I love that, oh, not that, oh, this, yeah, and put it in a bag, you're thinking, Shh. and there's a shop in Brighton, I love going in there, you can just pour everything into a bag, and then I realize I spent like £20 on sweets. <laughs> My bag's so heavy. <laughs> but we pick and choose, and we do the same with scripture. We go through it and say, well, this is not relevant, that's not relevant. I see what that is saying, but I don't want to, hit, I don't want to listen to that today. Oh, okay, I'll take this. Oh, that would do for me. Put it in, and off we go. But we've completely disregarded everything else. What is the Bible? What is this? What do we have in our hands? What is it? You can tell me. God's Word. <laughs> the Bible. <laughs> God's Word. So my question would be then is that if we are picking and choosing, if we are in the habit of saying this is relevant but this is not relevant, are we in turn saying that God's Word is not relevant? It's a thought. I opened my eyes when I thought about that. God's Word isn't relevant. Some of it is but some of it isn't. So we are Undermining the word of God, then in, in retrospect, when we do that, it's just like, well, God, you're not relevant in this situation. If we look, if we turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 to 17, this kind of it says it as it is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 to 17. And it says that all scripture, not some, all scripture, I can do a tyler here. Let's say all. In an English language, all. There we go. All. Not Canadian, in English. Yeah. All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So first of all, it's saying that all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture comes from the very breath of God, is inspired of God. He can reveal it, he can inspire, he can illuminate it. All Everything that we read is of God and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. So I don't know about you, but when I read that, I'm thinking, man, I need to read this book because it's useful. So should we flip on his head the questions we ask instead of saying it does not apply? When we read the words, should we not be saying, what does God want to apply to me? What does God want to reveal to me in this passage that I'm reading? It's not, does it not apply, but it, it does apply, but in what way? How can, how can it apply? When we, I don't know about you, but when I read scripture, sometimes I can read it out of habit. I can just pitch up, turn to a chapter and just read. Chapter down, close the book and walk away and not remember a single thing I'd read. Have you had that before? Mm-hmm. Truth comes out. And I was thinking, should we not be intentional when we come to read the word? Intentional in the fact that I'm just not going to read this for the sake of reading it. I want to read it because I want to be trained by it. I want to read it because if, it, if I have to re- rebuke for something that I've done wrong, then I want to be, I need to be rebu- rebuked and corrected. I need to be trained I need to be lifted up so I'm going to know I want to be intentional and read this because it's God inspired this is God's word and if it's God's word it is all relevant yes? people are waking up it's good it's hard after Christmas after all all those oh food for me my goodness I'm not going to diverse from this when we look at the Bible, it's not just a book, not just a a book that you have in a bookshelf, you pick it out once in a while, but it is the book, the book, the only book of God. Inspired of God, His Word breathed out across the pages, inspired His teaching throughout. It's incredible. So we should be asking those things that I just mentioned when we come to it. God, train me. I want to read this and I want to be trained. I want to know something that I didn't know before. Equip me. Challenge me. Discipline me. Help me come from this point to this point. Scripture is not just for then, it's for now. And it is so relevant today. We shouldn't just be saying it's not right for this reality. It's right for everything. So as we move on, and if we follow in Scripture, then we've got we come across someone that is like a figure for us. It's a, it's a, a great man in Jesus. In Jesus. But him against our perceptions of him. I've sometimes, through what I've read, kind of made my own thoughts about Jesus, who he was. We, we, you know, I've often, often said, well, it's all right then, because that happened then, but this is now. Where is Jesus today? You know, there they could see him. There they could, people could actually go and, oh, there he is. I can actually see him with my own two eyes. Oh, he's actually healed so I've seen him heal somebody. Where is that today? When well, we could fall into that trap saying I can't see him and I can't see what he's doing. Jesus is real now as he was then. He's just as real. It's just that you can't see him. He's in the unseen. But the unseen is internal. He is moving, he is healing, but we have to be willing to not look at it with our own two eyes, but to actually look into what is unseen. And that's when the miracles happen. Now, there are four accounts in the, in the New Testament that speak of Jesus and his life and his ministry specifically. You've got the four gospel accounts, the first four. Books the New Testament. And I know, I know, Mark, when I was, you know, we've had discussions before, but it's like, you ever read through Matthew thinking, wow, wow, that's incredible. You go on to Mark and you're like, I've read this before. <laughs> it's like deja vu. I'm, I'm sure, where have I read this before? And you go on to Luke and you're like, oh man, I've definitely read this before. It just seems like it, you know. Slight some differences, but it's pretty much the same thing. It's got the same beginning, middle, and end, pretty much, you know. And then John as well is like more elaborate in some senses. But you read it, you're thinking, man, man, I must be going crazy because I know I've read that. They're all painting the same picture. They speak of a man, son of God, Jesus, and came to the earth. Did some ministries, some of them focus on different sets, some of them speak more of parables, some of them just speak more on a, more on just his teaching and stuff like that, his ministry and everything like that. See like he died and then he rose again, and they, that's it. Their picture is painted. But if you actually look at these gospel accounts, if you actually go okay, go in between the lines, if you actually, instead of brushing over this painting, you look at all the detail that's put into this painting, you see that each one is focusing on a different quality of Jesus. If you, if you take Matthew, for example, his focus is on Christ, Messiahship, the King. In Matthew one twenty three. It says the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God in the highest, the King with us. So that's Matthew's focus. He's like the Messiah, the King. So then you think, oh, okay, what, what what about Mark? Mark ten forty-five. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. Mark's whole theme throughout his book is how Jesus came to serve. He is the servant. He came, he was prepared to serve, and he carried out his service to others, and then he died as a servant to everybody. Luke Luke's an interesting read, especially taken from a, from a man who wasn't actually a follower of Jesus. He wrote his later on, but he, um, in Luke chapter 2, verse 40, he says, And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. His focus is on Jesus as the perfect man on this earth. He, he grew up and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. He was the perfect human, physical example to everybody else around him. And then John, John, his focus was just on Christ, the divine Son of God. That's why you got the seven I Ams in there. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. It's just how... Oh, Christ's divinity. That's his focus. So you think you've got your original painting, but then you look at every each brushstroke and you've got something more specific, more detailed. But then you're thinking, um, another question I say, well, why? why? Why is one focusing on just this thing? Why is one focusing on that thing? And one on this and one on that? Why don't they focus on the whole lot? You know, why don't they all speak about how Christ is the Messiah, the King, and everything, all in detail. Uh, he's a servant, all in detail. Their books would be massive, wouldn't it? There is, there is a, I don't know where it is, someone can help me out, but the scripture that says that if we were to write down all the things of God, we wouldn't be able to contain them. <laughs> Someone's malving it to me, so it's good. We can we can take this in two different ways. We can say that it was right that they focused on a different quality of God. That way, we have a more broader understanding of who God is, more specific in those in that sense. Or you can take it and apply it to yourself. When it seems like, you know, they're focusing on a different attribute, but were they narrow-minded in their approach? Were they actually saying, "This is all I want to focus on"? And that can be the same for me. I can be now reminded in my, resol- my response to Jesus in my life. This is the only quality I can see in Jesus in my life, when actually his qualities are so much more. And he can move in many other different ways. We have available to us to see Jesus. Not as just the Messiah, not as just a servant, not just as a perfect man, not just as a divine son, where we can see Jesus as the man that bridged the gap between us and God, which means that we can have direct communication with our Lord God. Through him, through Jesus, we can speak directly with God any time we want. Now that's amazing. We can have one-on-one conversation with Jesus right now. Wherever we are, we can walk and know that He is there, that we are not alone, because He is there. We can say, okay, Jesus, I need your help, and He'll, He's there, He's listening. But my perception sometimes of who Jesus is, is to be like, well, He was very real then, but I, I just can't see Him today. I, don't, I just, I just situation, he didn't, he, he doesn't feel like he's listening to me. He's listening. He moves when he wants to move. He's very real and very active. Our perception of who he is should be like what, the, what these writers saw in him, but so much more. And then as we move on, get more personal with us. We've got faith versus doubt, faith versus doubt. One of the biggest weaknesses in man, this is my opinion, I think is doubt. We can just, it, can, it can just drag us from a strong mantelpiece and just throw us into, the, into mud, like Silas, into the muddy ground. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 to 11, it says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, and persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. How many times were the disciples afraid? Numerous, Numerous times. How many times did they question Jesus? What are you doing? Well, what do we do? Oh, Lord, wake up. What should we do? The storm of the Crazy. How many times were they rebuked by Jesus? How many times did they doubt? We need faith in all things. Faith that when we read the Word of God, the unseen will be made seen to our eyes by faith that Jesus is walking next to us, faith that can move mountains. We need to, in those difficult times when we question, is God here, is scripture real to me? You know, in those insults, in those hardships, we should rejoice and know that we are being made strong in that. Can you see the other side of the spectrum in your life? Are you just walking by what is seen or are you willing to actually be a risk taker? Be led by your faith and see the unseen. Is your view clouded by doubt? Can you truly say in full assurance that Jesus is your refuge, strength, ever present in times of need? Are you reading the Bible in the knowledge that they are the very words of God, breathed out, readily available for us in everything we're going through, and completely relevant to everything? You see, if we move in the realms that are seen, we are no different to anybody else in this world. When we begin to look where no one else is willing to look, fixing our eyes on what is unseen, then when we begin to break into the eternal realms of who God is. We hinder God by only fixing our eyes on what is seen. We hold him back. That's why we want to go return to this passage. We fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I think it's important that we just do not walk away from this, but we spend some time Seeking a God that is unseen to our physical eyes but is so present. I think it's important that we take this time to ask, What is my spectrum and what's on the other side? If any of this has allow questions to come up into your mind so now this is the time to ask those to God and let him answer I'm just going to, to play in the background but this is a time where I think it's important that we just focus in on God and we just allow him to move